Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. More and more scientists think carbon capture is key to reducing CO2 emissions globally. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. That's the unexpected energy of ExxonMobil. Football season's coming. That's all <laughs> That's right. I get out of this. I think we've all had a friend or two that can't let a breakup go. For OBJ and his ex in the New York Giants, it's now been four months, and he still can't keep their name out of his mouth. Odell had this to say about his former team. Said this to Complex in an article that was posted online Saturday. I just felt that with the Giants, I was stuck in a place that wasn't working for me anymore. I felt like I wasn't going to be able to reach my full potential there, mentally, physically, spiritually. Everything I was capable of doing, I couldn't see it happening there. So I think allowing me to be in an, in an environment where I can be myself, give it a different approach, I feel like football will benefit. I'm just excited about being able to play football again and not having to deal with all the other stuff and politics that comes with my previous role. So there you go. In five seasons with the Giants, Odell averaged 92.8 yards receiving per game, which is the second most in NFL history, trailing only Julio Jones. So if he hasn't reached his full potential yet, his potential is going to have to take a transformation into the history books as he moves on to Cleveland. It's going to have to be massive stuff. So, Tim, I want to start with you here. How do you take the quote, first of all? Well, I would just say that he's a great player. Okay, yeah. like I don't think anyone would dispute that he's a great player. It doesn't mean you're necessarily a great teammate. And so I think that I felt this way about him while he was in New York. It's kind of always just been about him. I mean, he's talking about this situation, about no longer being in New York, almost like it was his choice. It's like there's a lack of awareness. Like they traded you because, honestly, they, they didn't feel like, like kind of the, how they had to manage you outside of, you know, just playing football was worth it anymore. I mean, that, that's, how, that's how they felt, which is why they traded you. So I think, I think I've felt like this for a while now in terms of him, in terms of the, the lack of awareness, in terms of what it means to be a teammate, where, you know, he's kind of, he's whined about not getting enough targets the way that other guys get targets. Or, um, you know, he's done an interview where he's kind of talked poorly about the people on his team. Or whether, uh, you know, he's done things, you know, during a game to put his team in jeopardy. Just because you're, you know, uberly talented might make you a great football player, but it doesn't make you a great teammate. And I think that's really what he has to learn. So, Jeff, who's the number one person then in New York that was stopping OBJ from reaching his full potential, like he said? It would be him. I mean, and listen, I, I agree with Tim on a lot of his points. I would say this. As far as, as a football player, he's done everything you would ask him to do and then some. But when you start talking about mentally, spiritually, like, you're the only one who controls that. Not everyone else, you know, not anyone in the building affects that. That's all you and taking ownership of how you feel about what you're taking care of, all of those things. Um, and so, in, in my opinion, as I look at him, it, why are you talking about New York in general? It's, it's over. Like, let it die and move on, man. It, it's time to talk about the team that you're on now. It's time to talk about the 90 guys in that locker room that's going to quickly be 53 and what you're adding and what you're bringing to this football team. It, it is time to turn the page. And I think anytime you go back and talk about your previous experience, it's too fresh a wound for it to seem like there's no, you know, no ill will because you can feel it, right? You can feel it in the comments and, and everybody starts to talk about and it becomes another distraction. Like how many distractions do we have to deal with before we even make it to week one? 
That's the problem. Do I think he's going to play well? He's a good football player. It, ball gets put up in the air. He's going to go make plays. You know that. But to Tim's point about being a teammate, not only being a teammate, being a leader in the locker room re- requires that you die to yourself. And what some things that you might want to say at some point, are they worth saying? Not really. Like, what's it going to help here? It's, it's, not, it's not adding anything to the Cleveland Browns. So let's not talk about it or address it. You know, he's asked a question, right? It's part of a bigger interview. It's late in the interview. Somebody asked him sure. about the Giants, and so he's answering the question. So I, 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 I always feel kind of compelled to stick up for him in situations like this. Having covered him when he came into the league, got to know him a little bit. I think, you know, when you talk about a phrase like bad teammate, I, I think I see Tim's point, which is that he doesn't understand how some of the stuff he does and says publicly can, can affect his status as a teammate. In terms of the locker room, he was never a problem in there. Teammates... Teammates did like him a lot, sure. stand up for him when he got in trouble, when, pe- when people were having conversations like this about him. Uh, so it's more complex, I think, than that. The Giants didn't like the off-field stuff. They didn't like that it, you know, things would happen in the offseason that would get attention for things that weren't about football. Giants ownership, Giants front office, very traditional, very, you know, th- things should be a certain way. But um, yeah, it's a guy that I-, I think, for the most part, the big thing that's been missing for him in New York has been team success. They made the playoffs one time in five years that he was there. And I think a lot of times the stuff we show, the, the kicking net stuff, you know, punching a hole in the wall in Green Bay after the playoff loss, a lot of that was connected to uh, a lack of success on the field in terms of what the team was doing. So I think there's a lot of layers to the guy, and I think it's, it's, uh, I'm sure he would admit that there have been things he's done and said that he would take back and do differently, uh, and, and obviously everybody needs to grow, but... Um, I don't know. I, I, think we, a, I think it gets a little. It can be a little rough sometimes I, when we talk I, about Odell. Because you've been around him, like there is a part of me that when you see this, I was stuck in a place that wasn't working for me right. anymore. Okay, like I couldn't see it happening anymore. Like he's almost talking. He's like he doesn't realize like who was in charge of right. the move. <laughs> he didn't decide to leave. Look, and, like, and I think I he's mean, been. It, it just shows you kind of right. like a lack of the general awareness of like like how you are perceived by the organization that decided to trade away one of the most talented players in the NFL. And just talking to people around the situation, when he was traded, it had gotten to the point where I think he was probably thinking to himself, uh, am I going to be happy here long term? Is this really where I want to be? So you can see in retrospect where a guy might perceive it that way, and, and he's saying, you know, I, I needed to move on, but, even but, though it wasn't him that made yeah. the decision to move on. And let me make, make sure I'm clear on this point. I, I don't have a problem with how he handled himself in New York, like you're saying about, you know, the stuff on the sideline, but it's over. Right. And you, you. you are part of a new football team. And so what are you adding to the new football team? You're, you're not affecting the New York Giants anymore. No one, no one on, on that 90-man roster right now cares what OBJ thinks. They're just trying to get jobs like everybody else. But how am I helping? The, am I helping the Cleveland Browns by bringing this up or even addressing it? And yeah. it's always going to be asked. He's not a rookie. I mean, he's been in the largest media market in the world. He knows questions are going to be asked. Right. You can't tell me you didn't walk in that interview and know at the end somebody's going to ask you something about the right. Giants. Just Look at him and go, hey, man, I got nothing else to say about it. I'm That's done it. with it. I'm moving on. I'm going to go talk about the Browns. Let's talk about my new team and how good we're going to be, and here's why. And let's do that stuff instead of talking about the past, which, again, means absolutely nothing to anybody except him and, and, and the Giants' front office. The politics word is going to stand out to some people when he mentions yeah. the politics of New York. So what politics in New York will not exist in Cleveland? I think the key thing to remember, they changed head coaches three times right. while he was there. He right. played for three different head coaches and two different general managers. So I think when you talk about politics, you know, there, there have been multiple different kinds of people and layers of people that he's felt like he was trying to please while right. he was there. So that's what 
I take out of it, not having talked directly to him about it, but that's what, when you're trying to piece together what's he saying, what's it mean, I, I think that there was a lot of change there, and he butted heads with certain people along the way, and I think And those the were end, pretty dramatic changes. Uh, yeah, yeah, head I coach. Mean, absolutely. Twice. The head coach, and, yeah. and, and the style that they were trying to get, that's a, that is, and I can totally see that. that from a player perspective, when general managers leave or, or get fired and head coaches it couldn't it culturally it changes your room and so from a political standpoint you're talking about you do want and you are the player that everybody looks at because he's a blessed the best player on their football team so when you're looking at that i can fully see that that is a difficult transition i don't care who you are so, so that's great I, but, but i've never heard larry fitzgerald whine about the change that he and the right. politics everyone's everyone's the freddie kitchens thing because now he's going to have a yeah. player's coach there's a lot of people how they build freddie kitchens is that the right fit for OBJ, or is it going to be a disaster in that scenario? Uh, played for a team that Freddie Kitchens coached for. Um, listen, I, I would not say that he comes across as a, as a disciplined type of guy. You know, I mean, I think that you refer to him as a player's coach, Jack. Um, I think they, I think they're going to have their hands full. I mean, I, I really do. Cause it's not. Listen, it's not just about Odell Beckham. It's also about you know there are other players on that team that. Look, they're trying to kind of build their careers as well. But you have to have guys that are willing to do that. And also fit into a team. And so, so whether it's a quarterback, whether it's the talented running backs, a young, talented tight end, guys on defense, you, know, you, have, a, you have a, lot of, a lot of people that are interested in the spotlight. And now you're in Cleveland. Yeah. And trying to get that to all come together is, is a challenge. And so, and this is, listen, Freddie's called plays basically one time in the NFL before, you know, this past season when he took over as the interim coach. Um, and so, you know, I mean, there's a significant amount of responsibility for Freddie, which he has never experienced before. I, I will say, from the kitchen's perspective, in my opinion, Baker Mayfield is going to be uh, the, the key point in this Agreed. entire, you know, equation. When you talk about Baker, how can he get – continue to keep everyone happy, yep. right? Can, you know, whether it's Jarvis Landry, whether it's running backs, whether it's Obi, who, who do I have to feed to keep them? That's going to be the most pivotal part of this football team, and he can do it. I mean, if you think about his leadership and the excitement yeah. he brings, I mean, this guy, he has his locker room. They are with him. I mean, they'll ride with him. So you have that. That, to me, is going to be ultimately – it's going to transcend the head coach because when you get the guy who's calling it on the field, being Mayfield – and he gets those guys to all buy in, man, that thing could be special. It's just a matter of can, can he be that guy and how fast can he get that thing uh, brought together. And it's worth noting, too, Odo's played in 16 of the last 32 games, so it's only half yeah. of the politics that he's been involved with. I don't think there's any question. Both rookies showed signs of superstardom. Only one could have that quads chain, though. Saquon, 1,307 yards he had on the ground, broke that Giants rookie record, 2,028 scrimmage yards, the most in the NFL mm. last season. And then on the other side, you have Baker and those Browns. Take a look at his graphics. Six wins. It seems like he had more than that, doesn't he? Six wins. They had zero the year before, Jack. That That's another good that. point <laughs> there, Tim. 27 passing touchdowns, most by a rookie quarterback in NFL history. So we're talking about potential for sophomore slumps. After a freshman explosion could just slip now, there's always that possibility, a little game we call slump or jump. So, Jeff, you're going to start us off. Saquon Barkley, 2,028 scrimmage yards, slump or jump, my friend. Oh, what do you want? What we do you got, want? You? Let's get this. Let's put a picture of yourself up let's there. Put a little, let's put a little handsome oh, it's, man. It's, it's like that. Oh, oh really? Yeah. And here's why I'm going slump. Listen, the guy's an absolute phenom. I'm not taking anything away from him. 2,028 yards, 15 touchdowns. If you're – 
if you're playing the Giants and you're a D.C. and you don't just say, stop Barkley. Anybody else on the football team can beat us. We're going to stop Barkley. There's no way you match those numbers. Those numbers are absolutely incredible. I just don't see how you go up when the entire NFL understands you are the Giants offense. Didn't they say that last year, too? I thought they were No, they did not. not, not. You're still young. Well, you you, you, you get rid of that palette for me. I, I don't want to see any more of Jeff's yeah, face. You, oh, you got one there? Of, you know what? I'm kind of disgusted <laughs> looking at those things. If we you know, get rid of the palette, <laughs> we're going to move forward is what we're going to do. We're going to move forward. Especially you see there, it's a rookie record. Slump or jump, Tim? Hey, listen, I'm doing this to spare everybody of my bald head on one of these things. I'm going to jump here with Baker Mayfield, which is crazy considering he threw 27 touchdown passes. But, listen, he wasn't even a starter to begin the season a year ago. The talent around him is better. They've got good backs. They've got a tremendous tight end. Got wide receivers kind of every which way. And so I think that Baker Mayfield kind of just continues to build on what he started a year ago. So, I could see him throwing 30 touchdowns or more. I think he'll throw for more yards. Obviously, playing all 16 games will help you do that. Impact of Odell Beckham. He's got 44 touchdowns in 59 career games. That doesn't even count the two he threw. So, he's a guy that uh, will add to your touchdown Mm -hmm. total if you are his quarterback. Get us to maybe the most interesting on this board. Josh Rosen, 11 passing touchdowns, 14 picks. Brutal offensive line he had in Arizona. Slump or jump? What do you say? Man, how do you know? That's the thing. I just don't know how much he's going to play, right? I mean, could could Ryan, thank you. Who's taking the bites out of these? No, no, no. Somebody's been attacking us. Uh, I just I think he's it could go back and forth between him and Ryan Fitzpatrick. I know the Dolphins want to get a look at him, but I'm not sure how much he's going to play if he's going to start week one. And really, the group around him, I mean, this is a candidate for, you know, as, as rosters go, one of the you know, weakest in the league overall. So I think uh, it could be really tough. As, as low as those numbers are, I think it could be tough for him to do a whole lot this year. I hope he does, yeah. but it's another new system, and it's... Um, yeah, so the circumstances are not lining up for this young man. So the bar is so low. You know, yeah. I mean, I think that's yeah. the thing for me. Which me makes too. It, it's me. a jump for me because of the, you know, the bar. I mean, 11 jump? passing Here. touchdowns. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to jump over there, there myself. Oh, oh wait, that's Jack. Jack. Now, now that's that a good answer. Yeah. Look at that yeah. Look at you. Huh? I just somebody took a bite out of his I want to know how you confused that bald head with Jack. That's unbelievable. Jack took over. You can't even get him on Jack. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. confuse me. Yeah. I can it happens. I it happens that. a lot. Yeah, I don't know. Baltimore, right, six let's... and one. We gotta get rid of the pack. Get that out of here. As a starter, slump or jump. Now that there's more tape out right. there on him, I'm, I'm going to say okay. this. this. This to me goes much further to the. Si- I'm going to the six and one. You know, record here. When I'm going to say this, I'm going to say I'm going slump here. Just, just, just because yeah. the six and one—that's that, that, very difficult to sustain. We saw when the Chargers got to see him uh, for the second time what they did to him. Now their offense has changed. They're going to be more Lamar Jackson friendly, understanding what he does well. They've built the offense now around him. But six and one in seven games—that's that, insane football. So, in my opinion, his numbers I think are going to go up. But as far as that record, that's going to be tough to match. The number Lamar. I'm watching for him is the fumbles. Way too many yep. fumbles last year. The they got to get that under control. And Basically getting hit like like yeah. 20 times a game. Exactly. That's just too much yeah. for a 16-game stretch. You know, a seven-game stretch, maybe you can right. stay healthy. Right, Yeah, quick as hell, but not that big, talking about Lamar right. Jackson. Moving on to the next one, where are we too? I think Buffalo, I believe. Josh mm-hmm. Allen. Tim, is he, is he accurate enough? Slump or jump, Josh Allen? You know, I'm going jump, Josh Allen. You know, just looking at the numbers, 10 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, a little bit surprised me because I thought that he really played better 
I think a lot of people thought that he would play. I mean, obviously the running was a, a real surprise. Yeah. It seemed like for everybody. But you also have to remember too, didn't play. Um, you know, didn't play a ton. Obviously, they've been through some quarterbacks. Had the elbow injury on the throwing elbow. In fact, played with a brace on his throwing elbow. I'm not sure I've ever seen a quarterback do that. The physical tools are so impressive. I think he's well coached up there. I think he improves and makes them more competitive. I did talk to their GM, Brandon Bean, a couple weeks ago about him. He said uh, they really felt if they could improve the offensive line and the run game and protect him better, that his accuracy would improve. He didn't say accuracy. He said decision-making. Uh, and also, Bean was in Carolina when Cam Newton came into the league. He said there's some comparisons here in terms of the way he runs, the size, etc. So they're watching out for that as well. I'm pretty sure our new house might be haunted. What makes you say that? The furniture is levitating. Oh, and the ghost. Welcome home. Yeah, that's that's spooky. You know what's really scary? Missing out on GEICO for help with homeowners and renters insurance. GEICO makes it easy to save a bunch. Great. Uh, you're not sticking around, right? The party's just getting started. <laughs> Happy geico Call today and see how easy homeowners and renters insurance can be. We are only through minicamp and OTAs, but controversy already spinning up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. A new head coach, Matt LaFleur, means a new offense being implemented for Aaron Rodgers. And now freedom at the line of scrimmage is being negotiated for the world to see. Take a look at all of this. Aaron Rodgers spoke about his new offense, the lack of freedom at the line of scrimmage with Matt LaFleur. Here's what he said to NFL Media's Mike Silver. It's a conversation in progress. I don't think you want to ask me to turn up 11 years. We have a number of check with me's and line of scrimmage stuff. It's the other stuff that not many people in this league can do. That's not like a humble brag or anything. That's just a fact. There aren't many people that can do at the line of scrimmage what I've done over the years. I'm not calling that humble anything. I'll not call humble. that a brag. <laughs> Aaron's three-year mentor, Brett Favre, told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Aaron will be fine. I think the thing is he needs to remain the same, and I don't have to give him any advice. You know he'll handle it well. The question is, how will they handle it with him? And obviously, that's very important. So I think you let him play his game and not disturb that very much. And it's going to be interesting to see if that happens. So... Of all things in the world, Brett Favre jumping all over to step in and get his boy A-Rod's back. So there you go. Let's go back to 2012, though. I'm curious about how much of that offense at the line of scrimmage was Aaron Rodgers handling. Yeah, large majority. In all honesty, I mean, 80% of our offense, there was very few call-it-and-run-its in that offense. When Aaron Rodgers gets to the line of scrimmage and he sees what matchups he wants, he knows where to exploit it, and that's what he's going to do. I mean, you're looking against the Chicago Bears. We'll see the second or third game of the season, third and two. Look at him. He's out there. He's talking to the receiver. He's talking to the tight end. Hey, this is what I want you to do. Both end up running a double slant, puts the ball where it's supposed to. It's not a catch, but that's him telling them what he wants them to get accomplished. Third and 11. It's all in the line. Fourth quarter, 6-0-2. You see it's a, it's a pretty decent ball game here. He's going to have the same type of conversations outside. You see him. He's checking not only protections, but he's checking routes and combinations. Gets Jordy wide open in the middle of the field. That's what he does so well. And listen, so many times it goes unnoticed. It's not just at the line of scrimmage. It's the conversations that are had between receivers and quarterbacks on the way back to the huddle. Right? As everybody's kind of milling around. 
Hey, I want you to run, run this whip route like this. Push off here. Get right here. This is the window I'm going to throw you the ball in. Mm-hmm. It's all of those conversations that he does exceptionally well. And I understand we're making fun of, you know, the humble brag. But the reality is yeah. that's what he does. And he does it exceptionally well. So if you limit one of, the, one, of the, one of the better parts of his game, I think offensively you're limiting what you can do. So from LaFleur's perspective, I understand you want to have some call it and run it. He can play in structure that way. But at the end of the day – the guy gives you the best chance because he sees the field. He sees where alignments are before anything happens, where the safety's tilt is, where the linebackers, they can't get to where they need to be for him to throw the ball. you got to play like that. That's what makes great players great and separates them. So for context, right, like the, the, the issue here is LaFleur's offense, which comes from Kyle Shanahan, is predicated on a lot of pre-snap stuff. And I'm not going to stray into the film breakdowns. Sure. It's not my thing. But I did not see a lot of pre-snap motion on those plays that you brought up, right? It right. Was, so LaFleur's concern is, having never really had a quarterback that can do this in terms of audibling to, to the level that Rodgers can, as, as Aaron pointed out, uh, how does that fit? How do you do the pre-snap stuff and incorporate his ability to audible at the same time? Is there enough time on the play clock to do that? So I think that's the challenge they're confronting right now. And I actually talked to Matt this morning, and he said, you know, in terms of Aaron, he said there's so many cool things he can do in terms of taking advantage of uh, is the defense covering a certain guy. He said he can, he can find us some cheap yardage sure. that way. So uh, Matt said, you know, having spent the offseason program, he said, I feel good about where we left it, but I've got to try and figure things out this summer as far as how we can take advantage, best take advantage of, of his abilities, him being Rodgers. So they're putting it together. Uh, and obviously it's a work in progress, but uh, there has to be some of what Aaron does well that goes along with what they're trying to install in terms of the new offense. Absolutely. And think about how much, how, many, how often Aaron Rodgers got teams to jump off sides yep, or to show their hand by using, by using his voice inflection and the cadence, right? It's, he's exceptional at that as well. To your point, if you're that that those are the cheap yards you're talking about. All of a sudden, you see where this is. So I think it will it will meld together just fine. It's both guys understanding this is a work in progress. It can't be one way or the other until both guys kind of get comfortable. But if it, when in doubt, I'm telling you, I'm going with the guy who's on the field slinging that thing around. If you go back to Aaron's statement, he talks about you know we have check with me's in the offense. He's not talking about that. Right. What Aaron is talking about is definitely, I'm assuming that. Getting people to jump with his voice inflection, as you mentioned, Jeff. Catching people with 12 men on the field. You think of the – those aren't cheap yards for them. Those have been big plays Mm -hmm. in their offense. They've been a huge part of it. And I just think this. I think when you look at, um, you know, the best quarterbacks over the last, you know, decade or so have been Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees. And the thing that all of those guys – and Aaron Rodgers probably in that mix – and all of the things that those guys have in common is that they have been better before the snap yep. than anybody else in the league. Yep. And it helps you be better after the snap when you are really good before the snap. It also helps the play caller. It helps the play caller get into the right play. And so I actually think it's wise for Matt LaFleur to embrace Aaron getting yes. him out of a bad call. Mm-hmm. But along with that, Aaron's going to have to trust the play caller that, hey, there's a reason I'm doing this. I, I don't want you getting me out of this play every time I call. Yeah, hang on. I know we've got to move on, but I have another question. So I want you to compare, if you will, Aaron Rodgers – 
to 18, who you played for, played with for like 12 seasons, something like that. Yeah. Compare the two at the line of scrimmage. What's it like and what's different? So from Peyton's perspective, he wants to get everything blocked up. So he sees blitzes coming. He sees the defensive tilting, and he used the same thing. Cadence, inflection, all was very important to our offense. Where guys were going to be, because he was going to throw guys open. He understood where the ball needed to be, and it was going to be in a tight window. He wasn't just kind of going to trust his arm strength. He was going to make sure guys were in the right spot. Aaron wants to kind of allow the defense to do what they think they're going to do and then take advantage of it. So he would allow blitzes to actually come. You know, you get you get Sam and Mike on the same side, the little smack, and everybody's come. He wanted that blitz to come because he knew, hey, this is how I was going to take advantage of it. So their mentality at the line of scrimmage, although they're both audible-type guys, it's very different in how they want to take advantage. One guy wants it blocked up, protected, ball's going to be – the other wants that kind of pressure because he knows it puts the defense on the back end in a stressful situation, and that was Aaron. And that's – to Tim's point earlier, that's really where I think LaFleur – when you call plays – Defenses do such a good job of disguising till the very end. It's hard to find that rhythm. And without a quarterback being able to go, hey, I don't love this because of this route where this is going to go into, having those conversations, that's what Aaron, you know, what he does so well and what he likes, man. And, in, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, you got to get buy-in from your guys. They need to believe – Aaron Rodgers needs to look at LaFleur and go, I believe in you. He needs to turn around and go, I believe in you. That's how we're all going to be better, right, is that we got believe we're the best when we're together. That mentality will forge them, and that's how you win football games. Man. I missed you, man. Oh, I love good. it. Good to have you I love it. Hey, let's get to something that Aaron Rodgers has never done. It's time for worst to first. Hmm. Fifteen of the last 16 seasons, at least one last-place team has flipped the narrative. To the top of their division, for example, last season, the Texans in the AFC South, the Bears in the NFC North were both able to accomplish worst to first glory. So let's take it to 2019. The first division we will look at, the NFC North. The Bears won the North for the first time since 2010. However, they still have to deal with Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford, tough defenses all around the division. The Lions had six wins last year, finished last in the division. What's their percentage chance, do we think, of worst to first? You'll go first? I'll go first. I'll go, first. Um, I'll go worst. Probably because I'm giving them a, a less, less of a chance. I'm going with a, um, a 5% chance. That's a pretty low number, okay. too. It's a pretty low number. Yeah. I think it's a tough division. I think, there's some, I think there's three really good teams in that division. And I think the Lions, it just doesn't seem like the, the transition to Matt Patricia that – that there's been like this real buy-in, you know, from the organization. And so I, I'm not sure that their talent has necessarily across the board gotten better. Some people have kind of walked out of that building there that I think could have helped them win. And so because of that, um, I got the 6-10 and 10 Lions with a 5% chance of winning the division. That's going to make a lot of people in Detroit like, happy, I'm sure. I like them a little better than you do. I, I think this is a division that has four at Ooh, least above wow. average teams, and I can't okay. pick it. So I, th- I think this is – and one of the things that makes this division tough is I think that the Lions, you know, are a little bit better than maybe people give them credit for. I agree with you. The year one of Matt Patricia did not go well, and a lot of it was culture and buy-in, et cetera. I think the addition of Trey Flowers to that defense, who comes from the same program that Patricia does in, in New England, I think that matters in terms of getting his message across to the other players. That kind of, I think that kind, of, that kind of change in terms of culture can help, and they added a lot of pieces. So I, th- I think they're a factor in a very tough division. 
in Green Bay, back-to-back oh. losing seasons for Aaron Rodgers. All of the stuff we just talked about with a new head coach, 6-9-1 and one a season ago. What are their chances of winning the division? Oh, I think Dan got another text message. We talked to uh, Matt LaFleur. He said he is going to let Aaron audible. Yeah, there you it go. is going to happen. And so um, I'm putting them at 35% here. And part of the reason is they have a great quarterback. When you have a great quarterback, you can win a lot of football games. The other thing that they have that I think is, is going to surprise people they have a ton of talent on their defense. And, uh, you know, Mike Pettin, who's the defensive coordinator, I think will do a good job with the guys that they've added. I think they have one of the best young corners in the game. And so I think defensively the Packers are going to be strong, which they haven't been really for the past probably three years or so. That pass rushers they added in free agency, the safety they drafted, Savage, uh, out of uh, Maryland. Was it Maryland? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're very happy with him, obviously. They – I think it's – I'm giving them 24, a little better than the Lions. But, again, I have this division very, very close. I think everybody's got a chance at it. I think Green Bay's got a chance at it. You're eating up Uh, that pie chart already. Exactly. It's going to get to 100. I promise. I bet it is. Uh, But but I think they're definitely in the mix. Just, you know, I like the other teams a little bit better. No no spoilers. Yeah. In Minnesota, it was a high-pressure year, and they really kind of sunk. Eight, seven, and one. What's the percentage chance they get it right this year? Well, I'm going to give them a 25% chance of, of getting it right this year. Look, I actually think Kirk Cousins is better probably than most people think that Kirk Cousins is. I think he's good enough to, to quarterback a team to a division title. I also think there's a lot of talent around that team. Um, you know, when you look at their receivers, their running backs, their tight ends. And then defensively, you know, Mike Zimmer's always going to do a good job with the defense. Like, you know, you look at the beginning of last year, it wasn't great. And then he, he righted the ship. And so I think that um, – I think they'll be a competitive team. I think they'll be in the hunt, but I'm at 25%. Yeah, I, I think I – I like them a little better than in the hunt. Actually, if anybody can do a little quick math, that makes them my favorite to win this division by a little. Uh, I, I agree with you on Cousins. I think uh, return to full health for Dalvin Cook at running back is a very, very important thing for this offense. Obviously, the offensive line and the protection of the quarterback has been a problem there for a number of years. I think they, they worked on that a little bit in the draft, and I think Cook helps with that. So, um, and yes, of course, Mike Zimmer defense, you can almost always trust. Bears, 12-4, and 7-1 and one at home. Yeah, really impressed with the job Matt, yep. Matt Nagy did. Obviously, some challenges for that team now when you look at, uh, you know, you lose your defensive coordinator, Chuck Pagano, the new defensive coordinator. Clearly talent on that defense. I think he'll do a good job with them. But, you know, recreating the, whatever it was, 30-something takeaways that they had a year ago, I think will be difficult. I do think the offense improves. I just think this ends up being a, a, a tough division. So a 12-4 and four team, giving them the same percentage as a 6-9-1 and one team, mm. um, it really just comes down to kind of the development of Mitchell Trubisky um, and I think the fact that he's in a division with other good teams and a quarterback named Aaron Rodgers. So I want to ask about 35%. that. So, so if the defense is a little bit worse, you change defensive coordinator, yeah. Vic Fangio gets a head coaching job. If they are a little bit worse, is Trubisky good enough to win games on his own? I think he is because his athleticism has shown through and it's been remarkable. And I think that Matt Nagy has also learned a little bit more about Mitchell Trubisky and some of the situations that he can put him in. And, you know, Matt Nagy's talked about, hey, we've thrown a lot at him, in part just to see what he could handle. And so, and he handled a lot. So I think we will see some growth out of Mitchell Trubisky. And I think that what they've done in the run game, adding David Montgomery in the draft, signing Mike Davis, already have Tariq Cohen. They really feel good about their ability to do a lot of things there. Might take a little pressure off the quarterback. Got him a little bit under the Vikings. I think they're still a very strong team. Uh, I think they have every, every chance. Obviously, I think every one of these teams has a chance to win this division. That's what these numbers mean. And you'll note that I actually picked somebody 
as opposed to, you know, picking two teams and I got right yes, in the fence. Right. I don't know. you got to give me like a decimal I point or I something, right? I mean, I didn't pick a worst to first here, didn't I? No, 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 no. We're not a worst to first. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think Bears, top to bottom, one of the strongest rosters in the league. They're one of these teams. Everybody, everything went well for them last year. Yep. Hey, listen, it's Dan, very Dan, hard for Dan a team to do that two years winner, in a row. But like when you look at the chart, it's like four evenly. This like, number it's like four is even higher pieces than of any pie. of these numbers. I mean, like and it's basically four. Like at least two I took division a stand on somebody. Yes, it's a bold stand. Yeah, two yeah. teams. I love you, Detroit. That Detroit. would be yeah, the story. You, you see the pair, the pie there. You see, Dan basically splits the thing in force. Tim <laughs> doing his thing right there. Time now for quarterback roulette. Any game with two rules, game I can get with. First division we will look at is the <laughs> NFC East. You can either keep your current quarterback in his current contract or you can go ahead, spin the wheel, land on a new quarterback. But important to remember, you also inherit this man's contract as well. We will begin in controversy as we always do. Eli Manning, 38 years old, but in 2018... One of his better statistical seasons, believe it or not, 66% of his passes he completed was a career high for Eli, mm-hmm. only 11 interceptions, career his fewest year. since 2008. And then, of course, you get to his record, which was very sharp, 5-11 and 11 he was Don't. as a starter. Dan, spin or say, what do you say? Mm. I, I got to spin, Eli. I, the contract's Ooh. reasonable, one year left, and it's not a lot of money, but uh, the numbers just aside, year. Go ahead. I just feel like... You got to upgrade if you're the Giants. I don't know if Daniel Jones is on the wheel somewhere, or that would, that's what the Giants are doing. <laughs> Who do you get? Oh, him, so. oh, look at that. I didn't third? upgrade the contract. I know that. Yes. That, that's, I'm, I'm wearing that. But, uh, that's I don't a down-the-middle guy. That's you a down-the-middle guy. And if you're the Giants, you're not a down-the-middle team, right? So maybe I shouldn't have. Do you think you – Am think I second-guessing my spirit? Do you think you the guy you ended yeah. up with would play better? I think he would play better. But I don't think he'd play better by enough to make the Giants a playoff team. Right. So that's probably why the answer to the Giants the is playing Do you the kid now regret point. spinning? Yes. Maybe a little bit. But I, you know what? Bit. I never yeah. regret being educated. Yeah. And I feel like I've learned something about quarterback roulette here today on NFL Live. <laughs> yeah. We feel like we learned something about shoes looking at your yes, feet. Yes, we have. Oh, yeah. I feel like we're all learning something. Driving all right, let's shoes. get it. The Daniel Jones also waiting in the wings. you got to think about that. Five of the last six seasons losing seasons in New York. Carson Wentz. With the Philadelphia Eagles, spin or stay, Tim? We had on Carson. I am staying, and this is a really easy decision. I actually was, you heard the clicking. I'm moving it to Carson to leave it there. He's going to make about $32 million a year on this new deal. That's what a starting quarterback costs. And when we look up, you know, years into his deal, we're going to think he's a bargain if he plays at the MVP type level that we've already seen him play. So health is a concern. Um, but health's a concern for everybody. I was going to say, know, not a lot of places level. you can so, spin. Mm-hmm. The truth is, avoid health that's concern. an easy one there. I'm, I'm not spinning on cars. So there, there would have been no concern paying Wentz, given all the health stuff that he's gone through, especially with the back. No concern. No, I think like, it's everybody's point. I mean, where are you, where are you going to go where you feel like you're getting a better value? You have a young quarterback. He's been banged up, but you're hoping he gets healthy in a hurry and, and that, that contract makes, you know, makes better sense. It's it what smart. they cost. Yeah, and it was smart of you guys to, to get ahead of it. All right, get the wheel on Dak Prescott. Time for for the Cowboys, man. Big money potentially heading his way, but he's not yet signed in Dallas. Would you spin or would you stay? 
given everything that Dak has done, even get a playoff win last year. I, I'm staying because of the numbers alone. I mean, here you have a productive quarterback who's going to cost you $2 million this year if you franchise. Let's say you spend $30 million over the next two years, which you could easily do. You'll have – who are you going to spend for? I mean, this guy, you know, you've seen the Cowboys kind of rally around him. This is going to be a, a run football, you know, run the football first type team is the mentality they're going with. And, again, he's been productive. At the numbers for that, we just talked about how much Carson Wentz is making each year. He would make half if they wanted to stick their guns. I don't give him a deal, but you think about it. For 30 million bucks the next two years, you are, you are hitting a home run with Dak Prescott. I would agree. Washington, D.C. is where we head next. I would agree. By the way, Dak has been the biggest bargain in all of sports for a long time. Right. And you get – so the owner – basically, so you got a quarterback room. You have Haskins, Keenum, and McCoy all Mm -hmm. there in Washington. Alex Smith's also hanging out as well. Not healthy, but yeah. Right, but Mm -hmm. probably not early at least. So Dan Snyder really goes and gets his man and Dwayne Haskins. Mm -hmm. So we're really playing with Haskins here. Would you spin or would you stay? Well, So here's the deal. At the beginning of the segment, Jack, you said you can get behind any game that has two rules. There's, There's an unwritten rule in quarterback roulette. And that's when there are three guys listed on a thing. It's an automatic spin. No. Okay? No when there's way. there's three guys. No way. And this guy's so never played. See. It's an automatic spin. Okay? Oh. It's a big spin. Okay? Did you do all right? I wish it would have came got, right back I, to him. I got, no, you got Lamar. Lamar. That's Jared Goff. If you no, stand Lamar. straight. That's Lamar. That's Lamar. This is yep. Lamar Jackson. That's Lamar. This is pointing yeah. to yeah, Lamar yeah. Jackson. Lamar, I yeah. think that's How Jared do you Goff? feel about that spin? Um... Not as good as I would have felt if it if was it one, one swing more. over to Jared Goff. <laughs> well, listen, it's a guy that, you know, look, was a first-round draft pick. He played this year. He certainly surprised people. Not surprised people, but he had massive production in the run game stuff. He has to develop as a passer. And so, listen, I think, um, yeah, I, I would have liked to land on it. I don't feel so much better about it. Landing would you like on Lamar? to go back to your original with the three quarterbacks in the room? No, I still I, – because at least this way you just are like, hey, here's my guy. I got to say, though, given the circumstances, the Alex Smith injury and the uncertainty about the future of the position there, that's not a bad quarterback rule, right? Correct. I mean, they got the rookie oh, they can listen, play. I agree. They got yeah. a couple veterans that they feel good about. Like, that's, that's not a bad way for a team in their situation uh, to handle its circumstances. being around, um, you know, those other guys as well. When does Haskins make his first start, Jeff? I think week one. You really? I do. Listen, here, this is what I would say about Haskins. When you hear the head coach talk about, you know, Jay Gruden said, listen, when he's on, he's phenomenal. When he's not, he's awful. You got to get some consistency, but they want him to be the guy. They want to see that he can do it. I think it's Were his you shot. Staying? Were I would you not have spun. I would have stayed. I want to see what Haskins is. If you oh. waited until 15 to get him and you got him, let your gala see what he can do. How come this didn't say Manning Jones? They had Haskins and Keenum up there. How about Because Timmy set the, the board up. They love Timmy. He set the board up. And he spun board up. it the wrong way. He did. So all week long, we are playing quarterback roulette, the only roulette that won't take your wallet. It's an NFL Live staple. Here are the rules. You can either keep your team's current quarterback, but you must keep his contract as well, or you can spin the wheel, land on any of the 31 other quarterbacks. Their deals are going to come along with them. You see the two rules, very simple game. Let's talk about Sam Darnold then. From week one to week nine last season, threw the most interceptions in the NFL with 14, but after returning from injury week 13, had a QBR of 80.9, which was the highest in the entire NFL. Rookie contract still in effect here. Tim, are you going to spin or stay on Darnold? I'm staying on Sam Darnold. You talked about the improvement throughout the season, Jack. He was 20 years old when he was drafted. I mean, like, he's a young, young guy. And I just think the room for improvement and development is certainly there. He's got a ton of talent. I think the Jets are a team this season that, 
um, could easily be a 500 team, possibly better, um, and it'll have a lot to do with kind of his maturation. So Sam Darnold on a rookie deal, I'm not spinning. I'm happy with it. Okay, well, let's, let's keep moving it through the division then. Let's go over okay. to Buffalo. Josh Allen's rookie season completed only 53% of his passes, the lowest by a rookie since Blaine Gabbert. But he became the first Bills quarterback to throw for 2,000 yards, also rush for at least 600 in history. So we're going to put rookie money back on the table. Spin or stay here? I would say this. The rookie money made this difficult for mm. me, but the, what, what kind of sealed the deal for me is when I saw the highlights, and the highlight was him running. Not throwing. That's usually a sign. It's a bad, it's a bad uh, let's, indicator. Let's spin it and see what we can get. Yeah. Let's, see, let's see what we get here. I mean, see if we can dial one around, up. At least what? Oh. No. Wow. <laughs> so tell us how you feel uh, about this. Regrettably. Some, I hope you got some cap space. <laughs> regrettably. I, uh, I should have stayed. Uh, it's why you don't gamble, kids at home. It's why you don't gamble. Good gracious. Oh, oh, man. I mean, you couldn't even hide your disappointment. You couldn't. I mean, what was the – did I get I didn't even, did I get all the way around? You didn't get all know. the way around. I think it, it was a bad spin. So you're not happy with I'm the Mariota? I'm not happy with, I'm not happy with my spin. I'd have, st- I'd have stuck with Allen. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you what you would have done had it landed. We started, started with Mariota. Miami. <laughs> They finally moved on from Ryan Tannehill, believe it or not. This offseason, they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, also traded to bring over Josh Rosen. Both those players are going to be expected to compete for the job. So, Dan, spin or stay in South Beach? I, I got to spin it. I mean, I, look, Rosen's contract could be the steal Ooh, of the century. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yes. Arizona's already paid the signing bonus. True. If he is their quarterback of the future, then the next three years are going to be sensational for them from a salary cap And you have the franchise option because he's a first-round pick. Right. And you have the fr- what, f- uh, fifth-year fifth option, option yep. and the franchise. They could, I mean, listen, you're 35 by the time they have to Correct. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, anyway, but, but that's a big if. So uh, I'm going to spin because oh. this is like the Hasselbeck rule, right? If you have that's two yeah. or three, then yeah, you got to you spin it, right? Unwritten. So yep. who'd we end up with? I like that. Oh, I mean, I like that. I listen, that. either one. Who like, are we no, saying that's that is? Watson. That's Deshaun Watson. We got Deshaun Watson. I don't know about that. Or is that Roethlisberger? Uh, Roethlisberger. Who cares? Either yeah. one is awesome. Either one. Yeah. Either one you Although uh, Roethlisberger, you know, would blow out the budget. But uh, Watson? That's true. Let's say it's Watson, just because that's... <laughs> you can't. I, I don't think that's what it is, though. Watson on a rookie. What do you mean? Look at I think it is Watson. But and I would... I would agree. We need it. Let's we go, need, Watson. We need like the judges Watson. to weigh in. What a the weird board that is. Yeah. Yeah. Right, they're giving, him, they're giving Watson. Watson. Go ahead. Nailed go ahead. it. Yeah, I mean, Deshaun Watson, what's not to like? He's on his, I mean, they're going to have to pay him at some point real soon. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is, a, this is a guy who's shown he can perform at a high level. Consistency maybe eludes him. Uh, pass protection maybe has been a problem for him since he's been in the league. But uh, that was a good spin. I was going to say, I don't think that gets better in Miami. New England, yeah. other season, sixth ring for Tom Brady, 41 years old, no cliff in sight, 66% of his passes, 29 touchdowns. Only real hiccup you see for Tom Brady, 11 picks, is most since 2013. So Tim gets really kind of an easy one in my Wait, opinion. how many? Spin how many stay? picks? You said 11 picks? 11 picks. Mm. 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 Yeah, I'm staying still. So. Show me some. Uh, you said no? the green room. You, just spin, you not, spin. You said please, you were, that's crazy. It's oh, Tom Brady. He's he a 32-year-old quarterback. Yeah. You're going to stay? He's contract. How many spots he's not would you be happy of, with? I don't even think he's one of the top five highest-paid quarterbacks at this point, yeah. but he's been the best. He kind of plays on a bargain. And honestly, wow. say, let's, let's say you had Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady on some huge, crazy contract. You're still staying on those guys. So, 
I'm staying on Tom Brady. Don't even have to think about it. At 42. That's, that's a one-year plan kind of a thing, though. You're not projecting. You think, the he, you think he's retiring after this year? But do you think? Would you say one, one or, or two? two? I think he plays at least two more years. I think it's like okay. how, oh, wait, he played how many team. spots he would you be happy? He won the Super Bowl last year. year. I got gotcha. you. Last year. We're projecting the future here. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, you don't. Well, you who don't was spin spinning it. on this? No yeah, chance. Were you? Better, no better chance. TV when you, you were spinning spin on this? Thing, you know that? It's time for worst to first. Which team can go from dead last to the top of their division? 15 of the last 16 seasons, we have seen at least one team be able to go worst to first. Last year, it was two. Houston Texans and the Chicago Bears. However, both were bounced from the playoffs during that wild card round. So we're going to start by looking at the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals went from 4-1 and one to start the year to 6-10 and 10 to finish the year, ultimately fired their head coach. What are the chances they go worst to first in 2019? Well, their chances, Jack, I, I, I'm giving them a, uh, a 15% chance, okay, which if you were with That's us when bad. I talked about the NFC North is much better than I have for the Lions. Look, I think that Zach Taylor is a perfect fit for the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it'll be a brush of breath there. Easy for you to say. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. For those, play, those players, a fresh of breath there. Okay? You get that? And, and the reality is I think their offense has improved. I think they're personnel-wise defensively pretty good. And I think the culture will change. Right. Listen, are they the favorite? No, of course not. But look to, to have a young offensive-minded coach kind of get the best out of the team, kind of seen a little bit with Sean McVay and – you know, so the Bengals would be my team to kind of make that happen. Fifteen I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go ten percent. Listen, it takes time to change culture in NFL locker room, and, and as, as much as you would think the Bengals are as much talent as you have, it's tough to get everybody together. Six and ten last year. I would see that being about the same this year, maybe a little better if they get hot at the right time. But I don't see them pushing for the division here. So Baker had six wins as a starter. We mentioned that yeah. earlier. Seven, eight, and one missed the playoffs. What are their chances of getting to the top of the division? I think. They have about a 25% chance of getting the top of the division. I mean, 27 touchdowns for Baker in his rookie season, not starting all 16 games, now surrounded with better talent than he was a year ago. Look, yeah, they won, you know, seven games. Remember, they won zero the previous season. I just – there was a lot of change last year for them. So, look, the big issue for me is – because I feel like I could have easily had them with a higher percentage is how does that talent come together? Yes, they have the talent to – to be a favorite to win a right. division. But do they gel and come together as a team? I think it's just a tall order for Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, I'm going to go 30% here, and I will say this is the Baker Mayfield um, you, you know, question for me. Can he get everybody in the locker room to buy in to one vision, one goal? Defer to the betterment of the team. It's not about individual accolades. It's not about awards that they need. It's about can we go win a bunch of football games? If he gets buy-in and everybody's in, I think they have a real shot at the division. How about with Pittsburgh? Because they lose A.B., they lose Le'Veon, they finally go get a Ryan Shazier replacement, in theory, for that position in the middle of the field, the top of the draft board. What are their chances of owning this division like they always do? There is a lot of talent that left the building there, but I am still giving them a 35% chance to win the division. And part of that is they have a Hall of Fame quarterback who threw for more yards last year than he had in his entire career, you know, ever in a season in his entire career. And they have a head coach that's kind of has a proven track record of winning a lot of games. I mean, there's a reason that they've hoisted the Lombardi Trophy. And so 35% for the Steelers. I'm going 32%. You can start to get a little theme here. I'm going to have this kind of as a three-team. I will say this about Tomlin. This is a chip-on-your-shoulder type year for the Steelers, right? Like Tim said, you got a ton of talent that walks out the door. 
is everybody in that locker room still good enough, right? And, and so offensive line is going to play a huge part this, this season. Can they still be the same group? Offensive line coach goes to Denver. You know, what does this all look like for them? A lot of players in that locker room are going to gel together, but I still think they got a, 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 the best chance of winning the division. Let's get to Baltimore. This is a team with a whole lot of changeover right there. One yes. six of the last seven, though. Okay, a little less than the Steelers. Why? Yeah, a little less for Steelers. I have them the same as the Browns, and I, and I really feel like I could bump up the Browns a little bit, maybe bring the Ravens down. The only reason I didn't is, uh, you know, we talk about players so much. I think you have to think about the coaching staff. Yes. I think you look at John Harbaugh. I think John Harbaugh probably if, if, as much as any coach could find a way to kind of win differently. I yes. just think he's got that type of ability. And so um, I think they're going to struggle. I think Lamar Jackson's going to struggle, you know, as a passer. I think there's going to be growing pains for that offense. Um, and that's why I have them behind the Steelers. Yeah, I'm going 28%. Again, same, same things that Tim's talking about here with coaching. I will say this. The thing I like about the Ravens is when everybody's kind of going to spread everything out, even with the quarterback they have, they want to be big and physical. They want big physical tight ends. They want offensive linemen who put their hands in the dirt and get moving forward and move, move bodies. Now, can Lamar Jackson, can his body physically take it? If he has to carry it 10 to, to 15 times a game or even 20 times a game because his arm's not as accurate as they want, to be can those things all have can he stay healthy if they can you know to Tim's point man coaching comes into is a big part of this thing uh it's going to be fun to watch this division three really good yep. football teams that could could be special you can worry a little bit like about leadership with Baltimore Suggs is gone Weddle is gone off that defense CJ Mosey there's a whole bunch Earl of guys Thomas good coach I like that by the way Jeff yeah, I'm that's proud true. of you man. take a look at the, the pie charts the, the math yes little offensive bit lineman that, baby that way. offensive lineman and it looks like the Pittsburgh Steelers pretty unanimous. Hard to believe. It is time now to crack the vintage vault. 73 days until kickoff. A couple legendary offensive linemen today, in addition to Jeff Saturday. Cowboys Larry Allen, Patriots John Hanna. Woo! Take us through, brother, all you. Oh, my word. Two of the best to ever play it. You want to see people, athletes oh. in space, and people getting their necks. Look, look, look right here. Out in space, right here. One, no, nah, no, nah, we're not done. Two. Just making the running back's job easy. I see you, Hannah, just making people pay. Watch him come off the rock right here. Moving bodies, getting guys down. I mean, Tim could run behind that, I mean, wow. which is I tough could, to but do. But that was Sam Bam Cunningham, in case you're wondering. <laughs> I think, honestly, best offensive lineman I ever saw play. I used to watch oh. Look at him take Cornelius <laughs> Bennett. I mean, that, that's, a, that's like close yeah. to a Hall of Fame. No, thank Lloyd, you. How do you, you want to wrong shoulder that? First of all, Larry <laughs> Allen didn't have a neck. His ears and traps just melded together. Look at him knocking dudes down. That is almost impossible in the NFL. Watch the movement. Just dumping it. I don't like that it's against the Colts. That hurts my feelings. I was actually on that football <laughs> team. So I don't, I don't love that. So whoever cut this. How do you make everything no about you? God. And then look right here. Oh, everybody talks about Emmett. What about my man Larry just opening? Oh, I can walk through him. That's special, right? Put him in the Hall of Fame. Well, the there needs to be a special Hall of Fame for him. Hall of Fame. Special. 73 days. I got it. Got to show the big boys love. That's what I'm talking about.